Hello, and welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I'm the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. I cover old films, new films, everything in between. I invite you to check that out. You also get a link there to my other podcast that covers films of the 1980s called Around the World in 80s Movies. I hope you'll check that one out as well. As far as the film I'm going to be reviewing today, it's a movie that debuted at Sundance earlier this year, but Netflix ended up buying it out, and now it's playing on their platform. Currently, it's called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. It is an R-rated film. It does have disturbing and violent content, some sexuality, nudity, and language. The runtime is an hour and 50 minutes. Zac Efron and Lily Collins are the main stars, with supporting roles going to Haley Joel Osment, John Malkovich and Kaya Scodelario. There's smaller roles going to James Hetfield, Jim Parsons, and Dylan Baker. The director is Jim Berlinger, and the screenplay credited to Michael Werwey. It's a movie about, at least partially, the personal life of the smooth-talking, gaslighting sociopath named Ted Bundy. Bundy gets put into the spotlight in Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which takes its name from a quote by the judge in describing the crimes committed while delivering his sentencing during Bundy's murder trial. Joe Berlinger is the director. He's kind of a true crime specialist, a documentarian. He's directed, I think he directed the second Blair Witch movie, uh, Book of Shadows, but mostly he's been in documentaries since, and mainly true crime. He's kind of a specialist in that category. It's one of two projects that he's directed here in the first half of 2019 alone on the subject of Ted Bundy, the other being a four-part Netflix documentary series called Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy Tapes, that features interviews with Ted Bundy himself while he was on death row. Extremely Wicked, as I'll call it from here on out, is more of a dramatization of events. It's from the perspective of Bundy's ex-fiance in a certain regard, Elizabeth Kendall, in the movie. Kendall is a pseudonym used by uh, the real-life woman named Liz Klepfer. The material here is loosely taken from the memoirs of Kendall's experience with Bundy called The Phantom Prince, My Life with Ted Bundy. That book was originally published back in 1981. It has been long out of print for some time. In addition to the relationship between Kendall and Bundy, the film also covers the legal troubles that Bundy would find himself in and out of, and that culminates in the first nationally televised court trial in United States history. Zac Efron here, he's nicely cast in the role of the rogue charmer. Despite all of the vile accusations that are thrown against him, he finds himself garnering a bit of a heartthrob status among women who find his charisma and looks to be somehow irresistible, even underneath that beating heart of an amoral monster. The acting in this film is perhaps the best asset to this otherwise unspectacular movie. Efron here, he looks remarkably like Ted Bundy. He provides some of his better work in the role, Good supporting currents here also by Lily Collins as the increasingly paranoid Liz Kendall. Haley Joel Osment in this film as Liz's concerned co-worker who seems to have a thing for her. Kaya Scolodario is Bundy's girlfriend later and best public cheerleader once he is incarcerated. John Malkovich also in the film as Judge Cowart who presided over the highly publicized case for the state of Florida on television and in the courtroom. Metallica frontman James Hetfield also makes an acting appearance in the film. He plays a police officer named Bob Hayward. Hetfield became friends with Joe Berlinger when he directed the acclaimed documentary on the band Metallica, Some Kind of Monster. 
The census period in this film, it covers mostly the years between 1969 and 1979. It's adequate, but I do think it often feels artificial. Its hair, its makeup, its wardrobe just don't look quite right. The actors feel like they're more playing dress up than inhabiting lived in characters of that time. We find this seemingly sweet courtship of the single mom, Liz Kendall, on the part of Ted Bundy. He seems like an ideal dream man when they meet. He seems to be a very loving, nurturing father figure to her young daughter over the years. A real catch, you would think. Things take a bit of a turn when Bundy leaves their home in Seattle to attend law school in Utah. And that's where he gets tagged as a suspect in a kidnapping murder case where he fits the description of the culprit, although the acts don't quite align enough for him to be the definitive person that they're looking for. Elizabeth does stay by his side. Bundy still continues to do things that seem to further sink him, though, into legal troubles. It begins to make her wonder if he is the serial killer in disguise or if all of this is an elaborate frame job by an overzealous law enforcement community seeking to put someone away without waiting for incontrovertible evidence that would nail him for good. Ted Bundy here assumes to become a media darling. He has groupies across the country that fall under his dreamy spell by what they see on television, including Carol Ann Boone, an old friend who becomes Bundy's lover and a source of strength for him at a time when Liz has decided to keep her distance. Although this is a film about a serial killer, all of the disturbing acts of violence are kept mostly off the screen, with the exception of a couple of very brief flashbacks that thankfully are not particularly graphic in nature, although there is one photograph in evidence that is disturbing enough, I suppose, on its own. I guess the point here is to put you in the mind of Kendall, who saw very few of the dark sides to Bundy that was being portrayed by the cops and the media. That dichotomy between how he's being portrayed in the media and the man she knows in the personal life don't quite jibe, and that keeps her in this limbo as to how much effort she should take to stick by his side, whether to see him try to clear his name or continue to put herself and her daughter in harm's way by having what could be a serial killer in the home. As such, if you really don't know the details of Ted Bundy's story, it may have you a little bit more intrigued than your typical viewer as to whether or not he ultimately is going to be found innocent or guilty by the end, even if it is the latter, whether he is actually being railroaded by the cops and judicial system. By the end, though, I think it does become a little bit more clear, even if things remain a bit ambiguous along the way, because we're supposed to put ourselves in the mind of those people who still believe in Ted Bundy. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile, it serves less like a full biopic and even as an exploration into the rationale of a madman. It's a little bit lacking here. It's more of a cataloging of certain events that transpired within the personal life of Ted Bundy and Liz Kendall over the years. They were together and subsequently apart during that decade. As such, I do think that it often feels like it lacks a purpose beyond the reenactment of these events, most of which have been on record and in documentary form in a more complete and interesting manner than it is presented here. You know, lackluster direction, I think, here without a hook here in the story to keep us reeled into this film beyond the performances. It's kind of a missed opportunity to make for a gripping and thoughtful peek into this world very few would ever experience in their lifetimes. I think the movie remains, at the end, pretty much what Ted Bundy was to most people who met him at first glance. Attractive, but ultimately superficial. You hope for a connection underneath the initial charm. It doesn't offer the kind of substance that will sustain your attention beyond what you envision going in. So along those lines, I'm a bit disappointed with this film, and I can't quite recommend it. I'm going to give it two and a half stars out of four because of the performances. It will probably keep your interest if you're somebody who likes these kind of true crime biopics, but 
but certainly I don't think that this is a movie that I would recommend going out of your way to see. It's on Netflix, so I guess you can kind of give it a flyer anyway if you already subscribe to the service, but it's not the kind of movie I would say to shell out your dollars just to be able to see. So two and a half stars is the best I can give. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you have your own thoughts on this film, you can write to me. You can find my contact information at my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. <laughs>